Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. God is good. Well, congratulations. You have made it through another year. Woo, awesome. Some of you are all like, oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> it's done. Another year of ups and downs. Another year of victories and defeats. Another year of sorrows and joys. And it's often that this time of year that we reflect on what we walked through and look forward to a new year, a clean slate, a fresh start. And many of us set those goals that we like to call New Year's resolutions. You know the ones. I'm going to read more. Or I'm going to lose so many pounds this year. I'm going to get out of debt. You know what? I'm going to make coffee at home and not spend all my money in the roaster's drive-thru every day. That one was for my daughter. And if you're like me and many others, you set out with good intentions, right? Most of us, January, you do great. You go to the gym like you said you would. You set your timer on your coffee pot to start on its own so it's ready when you crawl out of bed. You do all the things to set out to do the things that you said you would do. But then February rolls around. Now, by this time, you're pretty proud of your progress, and you, and you start to relax a little bit. You know, crumble cookie has your favorite flavor that week. And you're like, well, we, we can do it this week. It's, it's not like we're going to do it all the time. And as you take that first bite of delectable cookie, all the things that you've been working for are gone. And all the things that you've been missing begin to flood your mind. You're like, oh man, that green chili cheeseburger from Whataburger just sounds so good right now. Old habits begin to take over. And before you know it, you already gained back those 10 pounds that you lost in January. True story. It's a cycle of insanity. It often happens before you have the chance to realize it. And we do these things and we start off well, but then old patterns, old habits, those things that we're used to doing, which can be somewhat of a stronghold in our life, win out. And then we do the same thing we always have, but expect a different result. Did you know that that's the very definition of insanity? So how do we break this cycle? How can we have a new beginning? This morning, I want to bring a message to you titled, Breaking the Chains of Insanity. And as we dive into God's Word, I'm reminded of a familiar cycle of insanity that we find in the children of Israel. It's marked, or it's a cycle marked by a repetitive pattern of disobedience, of God's divine intervention, of repentance, and then restoration, and then wash, rinse, repeat. We see it happen on multiple occasions throughout the Old Testament. We witness a people chosen by God yet continually entangled in the same snare of their own disobedience. 
Despite experiencing God's deliverance, they often found themselves trapped in this cycle and turning from the one who led them out of bondage. And if we're honest this morning, we can see parallels in our own lives to the children of Israel. How many times do we find ourselves caught in the cycle of repeating mistakes and expecting different outcomes? How many times do we expect deliverance only to find down the road we are trapped yet again? And how often do we hinder our own growth because of disobedience? In Isaiah 43, we find Israel in this familiar position. And I thought it kind of funny because our, our superintendent of our district actually sends out a text to all of us ministers every Sunday morning. And I promise you this message was already prepared before he sent out this text message because he uses the very scripture we're going to talk about this morning. But the cycle of insanity has come full circle once more for the children of Israel. After the reign of King Solomon, Israel experienced a division and was split into two kingdoms. And the northern kingdom, Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah. And both kingdoms faced opposition from other nations. Israel fell to the Assyrians, and they were scattered among the nations. And then Judah eventually fell to the Babylonians. Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed, and many were taken into exile, and that's where we find ourselves now in Isaiah chapter 43. And despite the judgment and exile, God promises to bring his people back, rebuild the ruins, and offer a new beginning. And Isaiah 43 is a pivotal chapter in that narrative. So he gives us this passage, this message of hope. And I can't speak to your situation this morning, but I can say without reservation that if you are needing hope today, if you are needing a fresh start, if you are needing to break the chains of insanity in your life, and if you are in need of a new beginning, today you can find hope in God's work. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word and the power that's found in it and the hope that is found in it. And Lord, we just ask today that you would give me the words to speak and us the ears to hear what you're saying to us, God. Let your word go forth in power and let it penetrate even the toughest of places. Lord, we just ask that you would have your way in this place, that you would do what only you can do. And we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. So Isaiah 43. The children of Israel are in exile. And the prophet begins by expressing that God loves them and that he's there for them and the benefits of that love. And then he calls out those who are spiritually blind and speaks of God's redemptive plan. And then we come to our passage today, Isaiah chapter 43, starting in verse number 18 this morning. Isaiah 43, chapter, or Isaiah 43, verse number 18, excuse me. It says this, remember not the former things. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So much power packed in two verses. The first thing I want us to look at is the trap of insanity. 
As we have established, Israel had a bit of a habit of repeating this cycle of their disobedience. You know, the saying goes, old habits die hard. In other words, they are hard to break. And to be honest, it's easy to run through the drive-thru and order a double bacon quarter pounder with cheese instead of making a healthy meal at home. Can I get a witness? And it's easy to scroll mindlessly on social media instead of picking up your Bible and reading from God's Word. It's easy to go with the flow of the world. And it's not as easy to walk in holiness and righteousness. We get trapped in these old habits. Our flesh likes it. Israel couldn't seem to escape it. And in the book of Judges, we find an example. Judges chapter 2, I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Because they are not on the screen this morning. So if you want to turn there, Judges chapter 2. And we're going to start reading in verse number 11. We find yet another example of Israel in the predicament that they're in in Isaiah chapter 43. And it says this, it says, And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Now think about that for a minute. Think of all of what God did to bring them out of the land of Egypt. Famines, locusts, parting a Red Sea. I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't do that. And the children of Israel witnessed all this, and yet here they are again, forgetting the God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Asheroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to the plunders who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. And whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm. And as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress, then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Wash, wince, repeat. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord. And they did not do so. And whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord had moved to pity by their groaning because of those afflicted and oppressed them, but because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. And then verse 19 again. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. My, my, my. Every time. Wash, rinse, repeat. And this is only one example of that continual pattern. How many of us can relate to this this morning? We're on fire for the Lord, and then we allow old habits to creep in. And before we know it, we're back where we started. Maybe even worse than before. 
It's like those who have lost a lot of, a lot of weight, myself included, who get to their gold weight and then they relax a little bit and old habits creep back in. And before you know it, 40 pounds found its way back to you. Listen, I'm preaching to myself this morning, y'all. We become trapped in the same cycle, in a cycle of insanity. Our passage encourages us to remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Leave the pizza in the box and eat a salad. Delete the app. All over, even in the New Testament, Paul encourages a similar response. Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own. But one thing I do, listen to this, forgetting what lies behind. Did you catch that? Forgetting what lies behind. Because if we don't, we begin to carry around a necessary weight. Those habits, those fears, those past mistakes haunt us. And they make us feel as though we are undeserving of forgiveness. That we are not worthy enough to be healthy. That you are, not, that you are destined to stay the same person exactly the way you are. Nothing's ever going to change. That's the baggage that we can carry around. And it hinders us from moving forward, from pressing on, as Paul puts it later on in that verse. And we'll get to that in a moment. But in order to break free from the trap, we must remember not. We must not consider. We must forget. Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, Cast your burden on the Lord and He will sustain you. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, transformation is possible. Breaking those chains of insanity is possible. But you're going to have to forget not, or forget, excuse me, nor consider Forget not another passage. <laughs> forget not the things the Lord has done. Amen. But we must forget. We must lay aside. You see, God is calling us to a transformation. That's the second thing I want to talk to you about this morning, that call for transformation. You see, God's desire is not for us to be stuck in the same pattern over and over and over and over and over. Did you get what I'm saying? He doesn't want us to be stuck in that pattern. In verse 19, through the prophet Isaiah, God says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. I don't know about you, but a new thing sounds pretty great. We're at the end of a year. We're starting a new year. What a great time for a new thing. And it may not look how it looked last time. But in this new thing, insanity breaks. Patterns can be altered. God in his infinite mercy calls us to transform our lives. He doesn't want us to be stuck in this same icky mess that we get ourselves stuck in. 
Instead, he invites us to embrace a new beginning. You know, it reminds me of a verse in a song that we sing here of 10,000 Reasons. And it says this, the sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before, let me be singing when the evening comes. A new dawn is waiting for you. See, God is wanting to do a new thing in you. And you may ask, what does it even matter if he wants to do a new thing in me? I don't, I don't know. Well, consider Paul again. See, he himself had a divine interruption. Before being known as Paul, he was named Saul. And Saul was a staunch persecutor of Christians. And he was making his way to Damascus. And in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse number 3, it starts like this. It says, Now he went on his way, and he approached Damascus. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now, this was more than just a bright light. It was an encounter with God on a road to Damascus. It was an encounter that brought about transformation. You see, Paul was himself in this cycle of persecuting Christians. He had the religion, but he didn't have Jesus. So anything that, who had Jesus, these early Christians, Paul was, or Saul was against. But then on the road to Damascus, he had a transformation, an encounter that broke his cycle of persecution, an intervention that marked a pivotal moment in the New Testament. Saul, who once passionately opposed Christianity, became the Apostle Paul, a devoted follower of Jesus, and one of the most influential figures in the early church and the spread of the gospel. As you read the Bible in the New Testament, you read a lot of his words that were inspired by the power of the Holy Spirit. He stepped into a new thing. He broke the cycle. And God can do the same thing for you and me. We don't have to keep repeating the same cycle over and over again. God is the author of change. So many times we are afraid of change, even though it's the very thing that we need. We must step into the new. And as we continue in verse 19, it tells us, he says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, a way in the wilderness implies a path or a road where there was none before. And if you think about the context of the children of Israel, God made a way through the Red Sea, as we talked about a moment ago, through a wilderness, after that, providing guidance and protection. You see, God is able to lead his people through seemingly impossible or challenging situations. I don't know what kind of cycle you're in this morning. I know what kind of cycle I'm in. But it doesn't matter because God can change your tra trajectory. He can bring transformation to your life. And he can do it today just as he did for Paul on the road to Damascus. The wilderness often symbolizes a period of trial or testing or hardship. And God is promising to make a way, offering guidance and provision and deliverance. 
Rivers in the desert is equally as powerful. I don't know if you've been to the desert, but there's not many rivers in them. Deserts are arid, dry, and inhospitable of environments. The appearance of rivers in the desert symbolizes abundance. And life in places where life seems impossible. Are you getting the theme today? God is the author of impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. Hallelujah. He can bring transformation. He can break your cycle of insanity. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you may be familiar with the verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is past, and behold, the new has come. In Christ implies a relationship with Jesus. New creation speaks to a radical change that's not based on our efforts. You see, many times we try to do it on our own, right? Going back to those New Year's resolutions we talked about a minute ago, we try to do it on our own, in our own power. Then what typically happens, we fall back into that cycle yet again. But with God, He can break that cycle. We can become a new creation. We can have radical change. And then the old is gone. That past that you leave behind you, do you hear me? Leave behind you. No longer defines who you are. That sin that you came out of, that chain God broke off of you, that cycle of insanity you found yourself in, that's back there. That's no longer who you are. That person, that self is gone, is dead, is under the blood when you are in Christ. And then the new has come, which brings a changed perspective. A renewed mind, a transformed heart. Aren't you thankful that God can take a heart of stone and make it a heart of flesh? It tells us that in his word. And the beauty of a heart of flesh is it's moldable, it's shapeable, it's teachable. You see, a heart of stone, it's like flint. It's hard, it's crusty. And nothing can penetrate it, it seems like. But with God, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, we become a new creation. We can have a new beginning. We go from being caught in the cycle of insanity to a new lease on life. Doubt, shame, feelings of worthlessness are washed away and replaced with hope and purpose. Hallelujah! I think back to my life before I was in Christ. It was full of guilt, full of shame, full of worthlessness, full of thinking I wasn't going to amount to much because I had dropped out of college and moved back home because we couldn't afford it and all these things. Didn't know what was going to happen with my life. But God, hallelujah, He can bring a transformation. I am a living example of what God can do. And many of you in this room are as well. Hallelujah! Those things are washed away and replaced with hope and purpose. And this new lease on life isn't a one-time thing. 
but it's an ongoing process. So you may ask, okay, well, Pastor Oliver, that's great. That sounds really good. You're preaching good. Thank you for that, by the way. <laughs> Appreciate your encouragement this morning. How do we do this? How do we break the cycle and step into the new? We must embrace God's promise. We must embrace God's promise. We must let go and let God. This requires us to release our grip on the past and surrender our future. I know that sounds like a lot. And if you're like me and you're a bit of a control freak, it can be like, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. Mm -mm. I'm holding on to that today. That's mine. I will, I will take care of this. You want to be the one who makes the plans and design the path. But letting go requires us to have trust and faith in the one making the way. That one that makes a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. You see, once we surrender, it becomes not about us. Our plans. And sure, he gives us great plans, but they come from God. You know, Storm Chaser Oliver doesn't know Preacher Oliver. His ways, not mine. Missionary, servant of God in his church, he makes the way. Are you ready to embrace his ways and his promise? If so, we have to put our trust in him. Our understanding gets us lost sometimes and stuck in the cycle that we've been talking about all morning. But if we let go and let God, he will make our paths straight. Now, I hope this is as encouraging to you as it is to me this morning. And if we go back to Philippians 3 and we read that verse again, it says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. And then he goes on to say this, he says, And straining forward to what lies ahead. Then verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting those things in the past. You leave that baggage back where it belongs. Breaking those chains of insanity. We press on toward the goal, which is Christ. One of my favorite examples of this is found in 1 Kings chapter 19. This is when God had directed Elijah to anoint Elisha as his successor. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse number 19, it says, So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with twelve yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the twelfth. 
Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my mother and father, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people. And they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. You know, I heard one preacher put it like this. Elisha went back and he killed the cow and burned the plow. He killed the cow and burned the plow. In doing so, Elisha was embracing God's call on his life. You know, he was a farmer. He was in that cycle of planting, sowing, reaping, harvesting, planting, sowing, reaping, harvesting, planting, sowing, reaping, harvesting. That's what he did. And so when he went back and he killed the cow and burned the plow, it was a total surrender. By sacrificing the oxen and destroying the plow, Elisha indicated that he was leaving behind his former life and his livelihood. That life was now his past. And there was no turning back. He didn't have anything to go back to unless he wanted to do it by hand. In a similar manner, Jesus in the New Testament encourages us to pick up our cross and follow him. To do so, though, we must embrace his promise and leave the past in the past. We must let go and let God. Because if we don't, that past keeps holding you. And then every now and then it gives you a little tug and be like, hey, yeah, remember when you did that? Yeah, you're worthless. Oh, oh. That cookie's going to destroy everything you've done. I'm telling you, all crumbles of the devil. <laughs> Not really. Just that one little tug. That one little tug may seem even insignificant. But it can pull you right back in. To where you were. And it can happen before you even know it. So to do this, we need to cultivate a new mindset, a new mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us this. It tells us not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, this right here is the key to breaking the chains of insanity. This in itself could be a whole other message, but quickly I want to give you some points just from this little short verse. To be, conform, to be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, we must immerse ourselves in the Word of God. We must regularly read it and regularly study it. It's more than just a Sunday or a Wednesday thing. The more and more we get into the Word, the more it shapes us. And renews us and cultivates our mind. It changes how we think and how we act. We must pray for guidance and transformation. 
We must invite the Holy Spirit to guide our thoughts and transform our mind. We must identify and replace negative thoughts. Be aware of the negative and ungodly thoughts. And when they arise, 2 Corinthians 10.5 tells us that we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. When those things rise up that say, you should do this. You know the voice that should be louder in your mind? Don't do that. When it says, do this, take that thought captive and put it under the blood of Christ. Leave the past in the past. Break that chain, that cycle of insanity. We must surround ourselves with godly influences. You're all doing it this morning by being in church. That's a great thing. We don't neglect coming together as a church family. And I'm thankful that we have the online experience for those who are not able to be here on a Sunday morning. And they're so precious to us. But there's just something about what God does when we're together. Amen? We be around the people of God, even outside of church. The Bible talks about it in Proverbs 27 as iron sharpening iron. We're in church. We're out of church. Like the other night, we spent time with some godly friends at a game night. And it was hilarious. And I questioned some of it. No, not really. But (laughs) it was fun. We encouraged one another. We were there together, living life. That's what we do when we're around other godly people. It encourages you. It lifts you up. We don't have to do this life alone. And I encourage you not to do this life alone. Because if you do, the past may be louder than the ones you're surrounding yourself with. Surround yourself with godly influences. We must guard our heart. Along the same line of surrounding yourself with godly influences, you must protect who you are allowing to speak into your life. This is so vital, so pivotal. Don't just give everyone a key to your life. Don't just give everyone a say-so in what you do and don't do. Be mindful of who you expose yourself to. You know, that doesn't even include just people. Be mindful of what you expose yourself to as far as media and entertainment and conversations. Those all have an effect on your life. This can even include those who are religious. Sometimes their views are skewed by a personal revelation. And not on the word of God. Be careful who you listen to. Anytime someone speaks over your life, it needs to line up with this book right here. Regardless of what they say. If it doesn't line up from this, it's not from God. And I'm just telling you that right now. Hear me today. Everything lines up with this. We must be teachable. Remain open to learning and growing. A teachable spirit allows God to shape your understanding and correct any misconceptions that hinder the renewal of your mind. You know, I love Pastor Nelson from Plainview First Assembly. He has a saying, and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else. But he always says that God loves fat people. Praise God. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
But what that means is God loves people who are faithful, available, and teachable. When we're faithful, available, and teachable, God can direct our lives. We're open to his leading. And then we must practice obedience. See, we can do all these things, but then not practice it. We can know all the stuff, but not do it. There's a lot of people that are versed in the Bible that don't follow it. We must act on what we learn from God's word. And that, there's that other saying that says, practice makes perfect. Now, perfection comes once we reach glory. But it will come if we follow Christ. Remember, this is a lifelong journey. This isn't a, all right, I come to the altar today. I break that chain of insanity, and then I walk right back out and go right back into what I was doing. No, but when we leave this place today and we break that cycle of insanity, we walk out a new person. And then when those things come and rear their ugly head, we say, no, not today. Take that thought captive. Not today. We must embrace God's promise and be consistent in our walk with the Lord. That makes all the difference in the world. So as we bring this thing to a close this morning, and as we looked today at the cycle of insanity through the lens of the children of Israel and even accounts from our own lives and our own eyes, we come to a point of decision. Everything that we've been talking about today comes to this moment right now. A moment of decision. See, God is calling us to break the chains of insanity and invites us to step into a new thing. Just as Elisha burned the plow and killed the cow, the Lord is calling us to lay down our past today. To lay down those regrets, to lay down those mistakes, to lay down those perceptions of what you think people see of you, to lay down those burdens, those weights, that guilt, that shame, and break the cycle of insanity. See, God wants to transform your life today. This doesn't have to be just another Sunday where you came to church and left the same way you came. This can be a day of transformation. This can be a new beginning for you. And what a perfect time then at the end of another, a year and the beginning of a new one. Hallelujah.